Thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. To download the resource I created with Soberlink, Divorce and Addiction, A Guide to Move Forward, visit www.soberlink.com backslash Susan. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. And so when you can really say, okay, regardless of what happened in the past, I choose right now to take control of my happiness, of my life and moving forward to make it even better, we all can do that. And I would say, you know, who gets a class on how to go through a divorce in a happy way? And nobody, right? And we need to get out of our own ways as opposed to letting this take over. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today I have a guest who I met through two of my former guests, two of your personal favorites out there, listeners, Bella Gandhi and attorney Beth McCormick. So we have Dr. Elizabeth Lombardo, also from Chicago, joining us today. Dr. E, thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. This is exciting. I've had, I told you, I've had a couple of other Dr. Elizabeths on lately. They are also clinical psychologists, but I loved, I was reading your book. We'll start out with that. Uh, Get out of the red zone, transform your stress and optimize true success. And it starts out and you say that, yes, you are a clinical psychologist, but you're not that kind of clinical psychologist. (laughs) You're not the shrink couch type of clinical psychologist. I just posted something the other day about When you're a divorce attorney and you go to a cocktail party, everybody wants to tell you about how horrible their divorce was and everything their ex did. And I think for doctors, especially when they hear you're a a psychologist, they probably want to tell you about every drama and trauma in their life or they don't know, right? They don't. Well, it's it's one or the other. It's it's either here here are all my problems as if we're having a session, or it's oh my gosh, I are you reading my mind? Yeah. I'm not sure when psychologists became mind readers or or anything like that, but I do not read minds. I'm not analyzing anyone as far as you know. 
just I, having conversation. I have wondered that with some of my friends who are psychologists, like when I get a little into my crazy self, as I like, Hey, there, there comes her crazy. I wonder if I should give her insights. That is not what you do. Although you do give insights. I mean, the book, <laughs> I, we'll talk about the book in a minute. Talk about insights. You've created a career that suits your talents, obviously, because you're so successful at it. Now, I don't know anyone else who does what you do. You really, you work with athletes, executives, Fortune 500 companies. You help them to like sort of maximize their potential, I guess I, I would call it. You do keynotes all over the place. Go look at her website. There's pictures of her on these huge stages all over the world. <laughs> TEDx's books. This is not your only book. You have several. And I just have to get in there because our, our lovely Bella is always on Good Morning America Today show. Dr. E is there all the time as well, as well as the Forbes, New York Times, et cetera. So print, television, media, we've seen you everywhere. And I'm so excited that you're here today because frankly, getting out of the red zone is something that people who are going through divorce need to do. Yes. So we're going to dive into it. But again, Thank you so much. We we're going to have a little fun with this as well. Because why not have I'm fun? Sure, with we stress? are right. <laughs> when you get into that crazy, that's the red zone, right? We all get in there sometimes. So we're not here to judge. We're just here to maybe learn a little bit more about ourselves so that we can become even better. Yeah. And well, and it's funny because there's a chapter in the book about how to figure out when you're in the red zone, and I'm like. I don't know that it's that hard to figure out when I'm in the red zone. I know when my crazy is coming out, but I actually wanted to start talking about the book from the end because I, you know, as much as I'm laughing, I, you know, 32 years as a divorce attorney, you have decades, 20 years, I think as a clinical psychologist. It, maybe a little less, but 20 yeah, years. A little is, more, yeah. yeah oh, okay. <laughs> um, you don't, well, you don't. But thanks for it, that. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we both know how hard it is on people and we know how hopeless people are either in the moment when they're with me. And certainly I'm sure in the moments when they might be seeking your help or your insights. And I thought that your conclusion of the book is something that I want people to hear at the beginning of the episode. So I'm just going to read a little tiny part out of it. Okay. By now, I hope you're empowered with the knowledge that when it comes to your life, you're in the driver's seat. Even if your life has previously been a pattern of bouncing from one red zone to the next, you can change your life now. It starts with taking ownership. I want everyone to hear that because if you're in that place... Just know that you can get out of it and you're in charge because I know everyone feels so out of control and helpless when they get into the red zone, right? Yeah. And, and, and a victim of their circumstances, right? And especially when it comes to divorce, oh, if only he hadn't done this, if only she hadn't done this. And so they get into this mindset of my life would only be okay if my ex had not done X, Y, and Z or had done X, Y, and Z. And the problem with that thinking is it's like a, it's like a mathematical equation, right? If you say two plus two equals four, our brain also knows that four equals two plus two. So if you're thinking, oh, if only my, my ex had, you know, hadn't done X, Y, and Z, then I would be happy. What our brain actually hears is I would only be happy if my ex hadn't done X, Y, and Z, i.e. only I'm if never I could go be back happy. into time could I be happy? And that victim mentality, and and I, I realize victim mentality may not be something that people want to embrace, but that, that's what it is, is blaming other people. It puts you in such a helpless and hopeless position. 
And so when you can really say, okay, regardless of what happened in the past, I choose right now to take control of my happiness, of my life and moving forward to make it even better, we all can do that. And I would say, you know, who gets a class on how to go through a divorce in a happy way? And nobody, right? But hopefully when we learn these skills, people can understand how to optimize what goes on up here because this is what gets us in our, the most trouble, right? And we need to get out of our own ways as opposed to letting this take over. And this, by this, if people can't see me as your mind. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you're, <laughs> you were doing cool, that and I'm like, yeah. because we're up here all the time. And if what you're saying to yourself is my life is terrible and take it out further because he did this or she did that, then guess what? Your, your life is going to be you're terrible. Right. And, and that's really, in a nutshell, kind of what you're talking about here. Like how to, you know, I may have started at the end of the book and we'll now jump to the beginning of the book, but that's where the power is. And, and that's what I want people to hear because I think people feel so hopeless when they are in that victim place. And they feel like there's no way to get out of it. And, and really, it's like Dorothy with her scarlet slippers, ruby slippers, right? right? Click your heels together. You've always had the power. Always had the power. And, and let me just throw in here, because I know sometimes when I'm talking about this, you know, I wrote a book on happiness. I'm talking about getting out of the red zone. And I think people are like, okay, what do you have to be stressed about? So let's just put it on the table that my husband, who is the love of my life, has been on a ventilator for over five years has ALS, is completely paralyzed, requires 24-7 care, can't move, can't talk, and his hands are literally contracted. So in order to hold hands, I have to put my, my, my one finger in his hands where it's contracted. So I share that So because I, I want people to hear, I, I, I'm not just preaching this and having this super easy life. I'm going through it too. And we all deal with red zone, whether it's, you know, a loved one who has, who has a horrific disease going through a divorce, we all have stuff. So we're not here to compare our stuff, but just here as I'm giving this advice, as I'm sharing these ideas, it's not like my life is super, super easy. And yet I'm still a firm believer and a firm proponent of applying these skills in my life. Thank you for sharing that, honestly, because for so many people who are in this moment in time, it can be such a difficult place and it feels so alone. Yeah. And we forget it's not just someone who's going through a divorce who might understand. Everybody has something. And, you know, you look, anyone who's looking at the video, I mean, you're beautiful. You're sitting in a beautiful setting. I just talked about this fabulous career you have. And yet for five years, You've been dealing with your husband's illness, being a caretaker. I know you have your daughters who are also dealing with their father, you know, being ill and, you know, all of those things, which frankly, and you share some of your red zones in the book, you're, you're, you're more than willing to share those. I always share my things with my listeners as well. Um, and, and the bottom line is that the skills that you're teaching in the book about recognizing the red zone. We'll talk about that. But then the skills for getting out of it, recognizing when you're in it, that's where you find your power. And that's where you, I'm always talking, the, the podcast is Divorce and Beyond. So I'm always talking about your beyond. We're going to yes. get you beyond your red zone, whether it's your divorce or somebody's illness or whatever that might be. So I think jumping back to the beginning now, we've referenced it, but how do you define the red zone? What is the red zone? 
Yes. So when I'm talking about the red zone, I'm talking about the psychological red zone, not the football red zone. The psychological red zone happens when we experience high levels of stress or what we call um, distress in psychology. Distress is negative stress. There is actually positive stress. We call that eustress. But distress is any emotion you don't want. So it could be anger, frustration, anxiety, worry, panic, irritability, guilt, shame, helplessness, hopelessness, worthlessness, all goes in the distress pile. And distress exists on a continuum. So from zero, no distress at all just got off the massage table, life is great, to 10 out of 10, the most distressed you've ever been. So for example, if you're angry at a 10 out of 10, you might be yelling or throwing something or the proverbial steam coming out of your ears. And the red zone happens when we're at a 7 out of 10 or higher. So a 7 and 8 and 9 or a 10, that's when we're in the psychological red zone. And in the red zone, we tend to think differently and act differently than we do in what I call the green zone, a zero, one, two, three. And there's a biological basis for this because our different parts of our brain are actually working depending on what zone we're in. I think that's actually a very important point, especially for my listeners to understand about that biological component. When you get into that seven, eight, nine, ten 10 zone, that is where literally your, your rational thinking kind of shuts down. And for many of my listeners, they may be in that like mediation session with their spouse talking about who's going to get the TV. There's always a fight over the TV. I don't know why men are so attached to their television sets, but I've had so many, but whatever the argument might be over. And what people don't realize is one, they're not usually aware they've gone into that red zone in that moment. And they're not thinking rationally because they will get so embedded in what that is going on. They're not even thinking about the fact that it's a $200 television set that they could just go get a brand new one. That's better. I mean, it's their own and it has no history with their both partner. It doesn't have to come <laughs> off the wall. It doesn't have to get moved. Yeah. There's no, there's an actual, we're using sort of a, a silly um, and I'm using a silly analogy, but you're in that moment where honestly your rational thinking isn't happening, whether it be the anger of the divorce moment or the utter sadness. And that's the point, right? It's not just anger that will get you there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's any, it's any of those emotions we don't want. So sadness, anxiety, a panic attack is a great example of being in the red zone. So to understand the brain in the red zone, I think it's helpful to understand the brain in the green zone. So in the green zone, low levels of distress, zero, one, two, three, we're using more of our frontal lobe. Right, that beautiful structure in our brain that differentiates us from other animals. It allows us to engage in executive functioning, problem solving, perspective taking. When we're in the green zone, we can see the positive and the negative. Yes, I don't really like him anymore, but I can be civil to him so we can move forward. So in the green zone, frontal lobe, rational thinking, we can see all perspectives, problem solve well. As we go up on this distress scale, our focus narrows. So that when you get into the red zone, a seven and eight, a nine or a 10, you're focused almost exclusively on the negatives. When I'm in the red zone, I'm focused almost exclusively on the negatives, right? It has nothing to do with intelligence or or training or anything like that. It's the way that our brain works. And because in the red zone, we're using that limbic system more, that fight or flight mechanism. And evolutionarily, this made sense, right? If our cave ancestors heard a a rustling in the bush and thought, "Eh, it's probably nothing, they may not live another day. Instead, they went into the red zone. They went into fight or flight. They got rid of the animal or they got away from the animal. Once the animal was gone, they got out of the red zone and they moved on with life. The issue is our brain still functions like that. 
but our sources of stress aren't short term, like an animal there versus it's gone. Our sources of stress tend to be more chronic <laughs> relationship, right? <laughs> Divorce, the pandemic, financial stuff, health issues, work, what teenagers, whatever it is, right? That keeps us in the red zone for a long time. And our brains really don't function well by being in the red zone for a long time. And I like to use the analogy of if you've ever had a friend who had too much to drink and they said something or did something that thought the hot, that they thought at the time was really smart. And the next morning they woke up and they're like, oh yeah, not a good decision. Their, their frontal lobe was not working as well. And that's basically what happens when we get into the red zone. We aren't thinking rationally and we aren't really acting rationally hundred percent of the time. <laughs> Makes me think of drunk dialing, you know, when, right, you, yeah. when you get home and you've had a couple of, or you, not, not, I don't drink. So I can't, but, <laughs> but when somebody gets home and they've had a couple of cocktails and they think calling their ex from high school great idea. is a great idea. I mean, there's clearly in our rational moments as we're sitting here having a nice conversation and talking about these things, it's easy to see red zone, anger, doing crazy things, etc. But when you're in it, it can be more difficult to be aware. And I always talk about awareness is this, the beginning of everything. You have to be aware before you can make any changes. You highlight some signals or red flags that you're in the red zone. And I love, you call it checking the engine lights. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. I mean, like in our car, we have it, we have a red light to indicate when something isn't going well. It'd be nice if we had one in it within our own head. We don't necessarily, but these are red flags to let you know if you're experiencing them, that you may be in the red zone. And if you notice them in other people, realize they may be in the red zone, right? And when people are in the red zone, they sometimes say and do things they don't really mean. So give them that space and give them that grace. But what are the three red flags? One, emotions you don't want, right? When you notice intense anger, frustration, helplessness, hopelessness, worthlessness, whatever it is, you're probably in the red zone. Second is bodily changes right? Our bodies communicate to us. So some people, when they're really stressed out, maybe get a headache or stomach issues or, or back pain. I remember when I was working on my dissertation, I walked by the mirror and this is how I looked. My ears and my <laughs> shoulders have become one because for me, red zone-ness goes right into my neck. And so for me, when I start to notice, oh, my neck is really sore, that's often an indicator, oh, I'm in the red zone. I need to take some steps to get out. And then the third red flag is engaging in behaviors that we don't want to. Now, that could mean doing things you don't want to do, like speaking in an unkind tone, overeating. It could also mean not doing things that you'd like to do. So procrastination is a really good sign that someone's probably in the red zone. They're avoiding doing something that's healthy or helpful to them because it just seems too overbearing or it doesn't seem like fun to them. I don't know why I'm sitting over here going, oh, oh, that's one. Oh, oh, that's why I'm taking down <laughs> notes. I was like, uh-oh. But really important again, and I, I really appreciate that you pointed out that it's important for us not just to notice these things in ourselves, but to notice them in other people, because that awareness that somebody else has gone to their red zone allows us to give them that you, I think you said, give them space, give them, you know, step away from the argument. There's nothing less productive, I think, than two people in the red zone deci deciding to continue that conversation. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It just, it's, it's, it's just adding fuel to the fire and you're just going to get a huge explosion. And that's why the beauty of, I mean, one of the things I love about the concept of the red zone is it's, it's an easy conversation to have. So in my household, we talk about being in the red zone and I have two teenage daughters. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> hormones. So, you know, there's some red zone is going on, but the other day, my, my youngest was being a little, a little testy with me. And the old, my older one was being protective of mama and she's getting mad at her sister. And I go, whoa, 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 your sister's in the red zone. Let's just give her some space. So instead of all getting in an argument, we just took it for what it was. And the thing about being in the red zone is we may say or do things that we later regret or that we later regret. We also want to acknowledge it once we're out of the red zone to say, I apologize, right? I was in the red zone. I spoke to you in an unkind tone. You deserve respect. I want to give you respect and I apologize. So we need to, we need to come clean with that. And I will tell you as a parent doing that, there is such power because kids have a, adults do too, but I think especially kids have a BS meter on them. So if you're telling them to be respectful and then you're not being respectful, uh -uh, that's not going to work. So if you can come clean and be like, I was in the red zone, I apologize. The power in that and helping your relationship grow stronger, very, very key. Same thing. I mean, can you even imagine going through a divorce and being in the red zone with your soon-to-be ex and being rude and then coming back and saying, you know what? I was upset. I was in the red zone. I want us to have a civil conversation as we're moving forward. I take full accountability for my behavior and I apologize. What do you think would happen there? Just a lot of goodness. As a mediator who sits in a room and will work with people on an apology at times, you know, do you think that would be appropriate? Would you like to you know, rehearse what you might want to say when we go back into the room? I've actually seen that in effect in person, and I can't describe to people just how the, that we always call it, right? The power of apology. It's incredible. Yeah. Right. Truly. It really, it it really is incredible. Your entire divorce can change on that dime or your argument or your relationship issue can change right on that dime. And please hear it takes courage and strength. And I'm trying to think of a better word for balls, but whatever that is, (laughs) use them. Yeah. um, to do that, you know, a lot of people think that's a sign of weakness. Oh my gosh, it's a sign of strength. What, what, what a great model for leader, being a leader, whether it's, you know, being a leader as you're going through a divorce or any, anything else, what a great role model to be able to be strong enough to say, I messed up. I apologize. And, and think of the power of the tool you've given everyone here. We may, because we haven't really emphasized it, but I want to talk about it because that chart of zero to 10 or one to 10 green zone all the way up to red zone. Think about inserting that meter into your relationship saying, you know, honey, I want to talk to you about this concept that I heard today on Susan's podcast, or I read in Dr. E's book, because we do actually do something similar in in our mediations where we, I have clients sort of check in with me and I ask them what their number is and it's not red zone, but it's somewhat similar And it's for me to sort of gauge the temperature of where they are in that moment, but it also lets them gauge the temperature. And again, awareness is a very important part, but imagine if you're sitting there having an argument with someone you care about, but you're beyond caring about it in that moment, because you are in the red zone, being able to say, ah, I think I'm in the red zone. Maybe we shouldn't have this conversation or continue this or say, do you think maybe you've hit the red zone? This might not be a good time to continue this conversation. I mean, you can use that in and of something so simple. 
Hey, listeners, I just wanted to let you know about a new feature on the podcast website. We now have a special directory of episodes that are bunched by topic. We know it's really overwhelming when you're faced with trying to find trustworthy and helpful information when you're going through divorce. And since we have over 150 episodes to date, we know it can be hard to hunt through them all to find the one that answers the question that you have, but not anymore. Visit the divorceandbeyondpod.com website and click on the Divorce Topics tab on the menu bar. You're going to find pages dedicated to all kinds of divorce topics, including parenting, finance, high conflict, taming your emotions, mental health, and so much more. So be sure to check it out today at divorceandbeyondpod.com. Stay tuned for more from Dr. Elizabeth Lombardo. She's helped you to get out of the red zone. And if she can help Shaq, she can help you. And it's being in the red zone with your soon-to-be ex and being rude and then coming back and saying, you know what? I was upset. I was in the red zone. I want us to have a civil conversation as we're moving forward. I take full accountability for my behavior and I apologize. What do you think would happen there? Just a lot of goodness. If you're enjoying this episode, check out last week's show with Dr. Christine Cocciola. She's an expert on intimate partner violence who helped us to understand the insidious effects of coercive control and post-separation abuse. That's an episode that can't be missed. When we talk about complex post-traumatic stress disorder, what we know is that oftentimes we become dysregulated, we're emotionally reactive versus responsive, that we may become frozen and unable to respond. There's so many different ways. This is the brain's way of coping. And now we return to today's show. I was giving a keynote at a, uh, a big company and a week later, I, I did group coaching with the executive team. I love meeting with people after I speak to, you know, what worked, what didn't work, that kind of thing. And the CFO told me that after learning about this concept of the red zone, before every single meeting, she asks people, including herself, where they are on the scale. And she said she had a really important meeting with her financial analyst. They were going to go over all the numbers. And he was at a nine out of 10. And she's like, I knew a nine out of 10 red zone brain is not a productive, effective, you know, brain that can concentrate and problem solve. So she rescheduled the meeting. I love it. She gave, gave him a gift certificate to Grubhub. They met the next morning and they had an incredibly productive and powerful meeting. What are you saying? Like, what's the message there? We care about you. Your mental well-being is important. Not only can we still be productive, we're going to be more productive by having you take care of yourself so that you can be in a better space. I think it'd be great if we had all meetings, whether it's classes in school before a test or something, before you know having a serious conversation that we all assess where are we. And if we're even near the red zone, like at a six out of 10 or higher, doing something healthy and helpful to get out of it before you have that conversation. First of all, all HR people out there, you might want to be calling Dr. <laughs> to come in and talk to your company. My, my husband uh, runs a, a company and I'm just going to mention this to him. You know, think, and we're going to talk about some of the tools that you recommend for getting out of the red zone yeah. and things you might be able to do in that moment because we don't always have the ability to pause. Uh, you know, if your boss wants to talk to you, despite the fact that you're in the red zone, you're going to still have to have that conversation. But before we go there, I, I do want to talk about something you called the mediator variable. First of all, because I'm a mediator and I don't know what that is. So I wanted to hear about it. And then the example you gave 
really hit home because you gave the COVID-15 example, um, how people during COVID, some people have lost weight, some people have gained weight, and you broke down how that sort of played out in the variable. I, I'm going to let you explain it, and I'm not telling anyone why it resonated with me. So go ahead. <laughs> if she gained weight or lost weight, we don't know. Um, so yeah, here here's of all the schooling that I did. So I used to be a PT, and then I went to psychology school. So I did all this schooling, and I had way more statistics than I ever wanted or ever cared to. But the mediating variable is something that I always remember. And the mediating variable is the variable that will determine what happened. So people think I, you know, COVID happened and people gained, I was on a podcast just yesterday and they said the average weight gain, it was a, um, a health coach. She said the average weight gain was between 30 and 40 pounds, average weight gain. Anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. So pandemic people got it gained weight. So then people often go to causality. Oh, so the pandemic caused people to gain weight. No, that's not what caused people to gain weight, right? What caused people to gain weight was, did they, you know, have, start drinking wine at 10 in the morning with their Ben and Jerry's ice cream? Or, you know, were they working out more and maybe choosing to make healthy meals? The mediating variable was what they ate and what they did. It wasn't the pandemic per se. So a lot of times people think I'm in the red zone because of what he said, what she did. It's not the event that causes us to get into the red zone. The mediating variable is our interpretation, what we say about that. So, and it's really dependent on red zone, green zone. So if your ex does something, when you're in the green zone, you may be like, this is exactly why we are getting divorced. And I'm so happy about that. (laughs) If they do the same thing in the red zone, you have a very different reaction. It may cause you to feel angry and you're such a jerk and get into an argument. Same events, but we interpret it differently. So the meeting variable is, is, is what we say to ourselves, is our perception, our interpretation about it. And the beauty of that is we can't control if there's a pandemic. We can't control what people say or do, but we can gain the tools to control how we interpret it, what we say about it, and then how we react to it. There's where we start that powerful shift and powerful change. Yes. 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 And that's, you know, that's where I really think for people to start to feel the power. You've talked about the power, but we get to this point and it's like, so, okay, we now know what, what the red zone is. We know why the red zone is bad, what the effects are, that we want to be in the green zone, all of those things. But it sounds to us like, or to me, like the red zone's just, it's going to happen, right? There's no living life without the red zone. Yeah. Well, everyone gets in the red zone sometimes. The goal is to get out and stay out as as much as possible. So you recognize you're in the red zone. What do you do to get out of the red zone? What do you do when you notice, okay, I'm there? Yeah. And so, so ideally you reinterpret what is happening. We can't actually get there when we're in the red zone. But let me let me just give an example. So one of my favorite quotes, Eleanor Roosevelt, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. We've probably all heard that quote, right? Love no one can one. make you feel inferior without your consent. But what does that really mean? It means that no matter what people say or do, it's our interpretation, our perception of what they say or do that makes us feel crappy about ourselves. So I, I like to give the following example. Think of something that you're really good at. And it's so interesting because men will name like five things and women are yeah, like, women I don't are think like- I'm good at anything. So 
are you, are you confident in your ability to walk? Maybe not in five inch heels and maybe not after a couple of drinks, although you said don't drink, but you know, in general, are you confident in your ability to walk? Most people I say can yes. actually yes. do it in five inch yeah. heels. Okay. Yeah. Like, bring it on. <laughs> Even after the pandemic, I'm like all wobbly on my heels now. Anyway. Um, so if someone said to you, you are such a bad walker, would that hurt your feelings? Yeah. Cause I'm that person. No. Okay. So you're not hundred percent confident in your ability to walk, but, but you see, but if someone is really confident in their ability to walk, they would hear that feedback and they'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm fine at walking. You might be curious. Huh? What do you mean by that? You know, it is my gait. you know, should I be putting more weight? To, but, but, but most people wouldn't have their feelings hurt by someone right. telling them you're a bad walker because they're already confident in that. They know it's not true. So when we translate that to other things, what people say or do that trigger us to go into the red zone, they're only triggers if we let them be triggers. We can reinterpret what they're saying, right? So if, if, if your ex is saying something and they know it's a trigger, you know it's a trigger, it is such a hot button for you. What if instead of getting sucked into it, you thought, mm, they're trying to push my buttons. There he not goes again. Work this or time. There she goes again. Yeah. yeah not going to work this time. You completely take over the power, right? You deactivate that trigger. And then that person loses their power because they've been trying to put you down. You're like, mm, whatever. Give me something, give me something better than that, right? So that's the beauty of this, again, this mediating variable. This is what we're saying to ourselves. We get to control this. Now, when we're in the red zone, when we're at a seven and eight and nine or 10, it is super hard to open our perspective and our minds to different things. And remember, it's because we aren't using that frontal lobe, which allows us to do it, that limbic system has hijacked our rational thinking. So when you are in the red zone, and I'm in the red zone, when any of us are in the red zone, that seven, that eight, that nine, or that 10, I have a, a, an acronym to help me remember so that I will remember. And it's called the HALT principle. It's called the HELM principle because the first step is HALT. It's called the HELM principle. So H-E-L-M. First step is H, HALT. And by halt, I mean halt all movement in this region of your body, which is your mouth. When you are in the red zone, don't let anything out of your mouth because that's when we say things we let it regret. And don't put anything in your mouth because that's when we consume things we let it regret. So that's H. And I will say there were times during the quarantine when I had not one, but two hands over my mouth. So nothing would come out of my mouth. So sometimes this can be a challenge, but that's the first step of the helm principle. E stands for exercise. Now, exercise, I don't mean, you know, you have to go to the gym. I just mean moving your body in some way for a couple of minutes. Push-ups, sit-ups, squats, going for a brisk walk, jumping on the bed. What happens is biochemicals are released in our brain that reduce the stress activity. Very helpful. So that's E. L is laugh, laughter, right? We know that laughter is the best medicine. The other day, my teenager was being quite teenagery, And I felt myself creeping into the red zone. And I said to her, I'm creeping into the red zone. I want us to have a conversation, but I, I, I want to be able to be here in a rational way. Just give me a moment. So I go into my, my office in my, at my house, get on YouTube, watch a couple of SNL clips. They always make me laugh. I got out of the red zone. Then I could go back and I could be a better mother. I could really hear and listen to what she was saying and, and work together. So L is laughter. And then M is music. Right. We've all probably heard a song that we haven't heard in, in, in years, maybe even decades. And it brings us right back to that time. So music has a very powerful impact on our emotions. And I actually recommend that my coaching clients keep or everyone keep a get out of the red zone playlist. 
So you don't even have to think about what song you want. It's right there. You just hit play. And by the way, if you dance around, then you have two of those parts of the helm principle. And it's even that. <laughs> that can be your exercise. I love yep, dancing. Completely. I'm not good at it. And I live in a very like wall to ceiling windows apartment in Chicago. So I have to go into my bedroom where we don't have as many windows to do the dancing, but that's what I do when I need to feel better. So I love it. I love, and, and helm. I mean, that's easy to remember for people. I did a whole episode on divorce uh, mnemonics for people, things, easy things for people to remember, mainly because of exactly what we're talking about here, that brain hijacking that goes on when we're under stress. But yeah. this is better than any of the ones that I came up with. I was coming up with things to deal with your ex's stress and you know things like error statements, empathy, attention, and respect, and things like that. Once you have had that moment to use Helm, is it okay to come back into the conversation, come back into the moment? Well, it depends where you are. So you got to make sure that you're out of the red zone. And I would say you know, you're going to be out of the red zone, be out of the red zone. So not like a 6.5. Let's make sure you're at least at a five or a four before you go back in and make, and and one of the ways you can do that is once you're out of the red zone, you can play the red zone, green zone game. And by that, I mean, if I were in the red zone, how do I think about this? If I was in the green zone, how do I think about this? And if you're able to do that, that's indicative that you're probably out of the red zone. So it's just thinking that that, that's way rational. If you can play the red, red and green game, you're way into your rational brain. You, you are. And it really helps to see how it isn't what people are doing or saying. It's what we're saying about it. And so if you can realize that, you know, in the, in the red zone, I want to strangle him. And in the green zone, again, I'm just grateful that we are ending this divorce, you know, ending this marriage. Well, it's totally different. And, and so you're thinking differently and what goes on up here in your mind impacts how you feel and what you do. So you're going to have a completely different interaction with, with, you know, whoever you're interacting with. Yeah. And you just use the word grateful. And I did, I didn't want, cause you talk about the magnitude of gratitude as well in the book. And I've talked about the power of gratitude. I just think it has, you know, I know it may be somewhat trite because so many people talk about it, but it, the power behind gratitude, um, it, it it just, it can move the world. So, um, and you have, you use that as well in coming out of the red zone. Yeah. Well, a a couple of things. So when we experience gratitude, when we look at brain scans of people who are experiencing gratitude, the stress centers in our brain actually reduce activity. So there's something biological going on there. But the thing is when we're in the red zone, it's tough to feel grateful. And remember I had this coaching client, she was an executive and there was this particular client with whom she interacted who like even just thinking about him, put her in the red zone. And she was having a conversation with him. And she said, you know, my clients always say I'm in their heads. Like they can hear me speaking to them. And she's like, I could hear you telling me to be grateful. And I didn't want to be. And I was like, <laughs> when I'm in the red zone, I feel the same way. I mean, I'm a big practitioner of gratitude and focusing on what I'm grateful for. When we're in the red zone, our brain basically feels like it's drowning. Right. And so when you're drowning, flailing your arms, screaming for help, first of all, being told to just calm down doesn't work. So don't ever tell someone who's in the red zone to just calm down because then they'll really want to, you know, strangle you. But the second thing is when you're flailing around, you know, screaming for help and someone says, just focus on gratitude. It's really hard to do that because that's not the way our brain is, is wired. So gratitude, there's such powerful gratitude. A lot of times it takes us to be out of the red zone in order to actually experience it and to, to use it. Good, good point. 
Um, I liked your, your shift though, from red zone thinking of God, I hate him or her. They're the worst thing that ever happened to my life too. I'm grateful we're ending this relationship and I'm going to have, I mean, that's a big, powerful shift. And maybe that signifies that shift from thinking about the situation from red to thinking about it from green, the green Mm -hmm. zone. With all of this, and then you, you, you know, you've coined the phrase, you actually have trademarked true success. It's on the cover, folks. So it's been trademarked. And you say that, you know, when you understand these principles and when you're able to find the tools to help you get out of the red zone, then you have primed your brain for success. Um, I'm assuming true success. So what what do you mean by that? The concept of true success, I I kind of, uh, it evolved because I would be working with clients who on paper were extremely successful, Right. They made the millions and they had the cars and on paper, they were really successful. And yet they would come into me and consistently say the same thing. Is this as good as it gets? Is this as good as it gets? And of course, it's not as good as it gets if you work with me. No. Um, And so what I realized was the way that society may define success of all those external variables. Look, there's nothing wrong with having a lot of money and the toys and that's great, but that's not what brings us true success. True success is really three ingredients. It's passion, it's purpose, and it's people. Now, passion, when I say passion, I don't necessarily mean a romantic love, but I mean, you know, having positive energy even during challenging times. And that's what get out of the red zone is, right? It's it's how can we, how can we deal with what's going on and, and have a positive mind focus, even when things are, are challenging. Purpose is having meaning in our lives. As human beings, we we want to, we crave meaning and purpose in our lives. And if we don't conscientiously choose it, we will have our own purpose. And I know people out there all know people whose purpose is to be the biggest victim. These are the people who, when you're like, oh, I'm so tired. I could not fall asleep last night. They're like, you couldn't fall asleep last night? I haven't had a good night's sleep in five years. And you're like, okay, you win, right? <laughs> but that's not the purpose we want, right? So we want to create a, a purpose of, you know, meaningful, fulfilling life. So that's the purpose part. And then people, like it or not, we are social beings. Some people do not like that, but we are social beings. And so optimizing our relationships with others is really important. And so when you have those ingredients, the passion, the purpose, and the people, that's when you really create true success in your life. I love that. And I love that just taking the steps and understanding the red zone, understanding the steps to get back to the green zone, understanding the power of looking within and not without. There's so many golden nuggets in, I think, in what we've just talked about way more in the book. So I recommend everybody go get the book. Dr. E, I I have already asked you just so everybody knows, I've already asked her to come back on because you have um, (laughs) another program for, um, for teens called, is it Elevive or Elevive? It's called Elevive, Elevate Your Mindset, Thrive in Life. And it's for teens and parents of teens. I used to say all the time, I used to complain all the time that we don't teach our kids basic skills like emotional intelligence, emotional regulation, resilience, grit. We don't really teach these specific skills in school. And then I got tired of me complaining about it. So I decided to start a company where that's exactly what we do. So we work with with teens and young people really and parents of teens because a lot of the parents don't have it too. And there's nothing wrong with you if you don't have these skills. I like to say it's, can you speak Russian? Most people can't. Why? Because they haven't learned it. But if you learn how to speak Russian and you practice it, anyone can speak Russian, right? Same thing when it comes, I shouldn't use Russian with the war going on. I was just thinking, (laughs) maybe we should take off. Yeah. 
but it's the same thing when we learn the skills and we practice and we get better. So Elevive is really geared towards giving our kids and parents these basic, and when I say basic, just mean the foundational skills. Let me use that word, foundational skills to really help empower them so that they can create the lives that they want. I hear from my listeners all the time, they are dealing with a myriad of issues, but I know so many people who are really struggling to provide the, what their teenagers need right now. There seems to be, I think COVID has definitely created an even greater, you know, mental health shift around our teens um, and young adults. And so I asked her, everybody, she said she would come back and we're going to do a whole episode on that as well. But in the meantime, what is the best way for people to reach you, to reach out for you, get the red zone? I will of course have links in the, in the show notes, but just yeah, great. Yeah, they go to my website, elizabethlombardo.com and learn more about the Red Town if they're interested in um, getting some some one-on-one coaching or there are all kinds of resources available on the website. So yeah, just check that out. There's some fun quizzes on the website, everyone. Go take those. Yeah, Yeah. you can see how much of the red zone you really are in. That's right. Exactly. Thank you so very, very much. This was really, I know, I love an episode that gives people takeaways. And truly, I hope you all heard what Dr. E wrote at the end of the book. It all starts with you and you have the power. You are Dorothy. You can click those heels together. Click those heels. Except I'm going to have Dorothy have green shoes. What do you think? I like it better. (laughs) It matches our river here in Chicago, at least those couple of days a year. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.